Good morning, church. I echo that that chorus of that song, right? I mean, when you when you start falling in line with with what the Lord wants for you and has for you, and you come to understand that Jesus is the answer to everything, you want Him to come. <laughs> you want Him. Uh, it's interesting, right? Because at the same time, it's it's like Paul. The Apostle Paul was like, "Man, I want to go be with the Lord, but for your sake, man, it's best that I I stay here, you know, so that so that I can reflect the light of Christ and more people can can come to know who Jesus is." And and you know, we talk about this all the time in this church. That, that's that's the one reason why we're we're all still here. <laughs> if you're saved and you're still walking in the flesh, it's because the Lord still sees fit to get honor and glory out of your life and manifest his goodness in and through you so that other people can be blessed and other people can be saved, whether you're planting a seed or whether you're watering. And so if you find yourself still on earth today, that means the Lord is not done with you. And it's crazy because the scripture says, Ear has not uh, heard, eye has not seen, never has it even entered into the heart of men what is uh, in store for us. It's like uh, my finite mind, I can't even comprehend what heaven's going to be like. But while we're here, we got to roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty, amen, and be about our Father's business. Um, so coming into this new year, this is the eve of uh, 2023. It's crazy, man. Where has time gone? that quick it's like it like in a like in a flash it's it's already the end of this year but um it was gosh it must have been several months back maybe the end of end of uh summer of this year and uh you know i i tell you guys a lot of you know i don't know the lord tends to wake me up in the middle of the night you know three three thirty something like that and and i used to be like man i don't want to get up <laughs> but then every time the lord gets me up he leads me to some passage of scripture or he he shows me some revelation of of the word and and so um a while back months ago uh the lord had showed me uh this portion of scripture he really kind of just showed me just the, the phrase and then later on I, I looked up the portion of scripture and many of you are familiar with it i'll read it uh just for the sake of for you to hear it it's in joshua chapter 4 verses 20 through 24 and it reads in those 12 stones which they took out of the jordan joshua set up at gilead uh, gilgal excuse me and he said to the people of israel when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. Amazing which he dried up for us until we passed over verse 24 so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord, your God forever. There's so much in that. And, and, and when I was woken up months back, I just, the Lord just showed me and he showed me again as I was driving to work, remembrance stones, and I'm like, okay, remembrance stones, Lord. I'm like, but that's for, for, for the Hebrews. That's for the Israelites. And then the Lord, I mean, obviously it wasn't no audible voice. He wasn't speaking to me like that. But he laid it on my heart. He's like, no, Keefing. Like, this is for you. This is for the people. Whether it's Resilient Life Church. I mean, this is where we're at. So this is where we're going to get down and do it. So, you know, I, I sat with this. And not that I wrestled with it, but I told my wife. I'm like, you know, I'm quick to tell Veronica things. <laughs> And she, she's, she just, you know, she knows the Lord <laughs> and she's like, keep him pump your brakes. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on. There was a lot of stuff going on at that time. So, you know, I said, Lord, I went to a prayer about a pray about it. And I said, Lord, I believe you showed me this. I, sh- I believe you showed me this is for your people. But I don't know when. And, uh, you know, so months later, you know, um, we, we actually went to, where do we go? Went to, I think we ended up going to Michael's, we went to Lowe's first and then we got a bunch of big rocks and then it was like, nah, we don't want that. So we went to Michael's and, you know, my wife, she's the thrift shopper, man. She's the thrift queen. She gets deals on deals on deals on deals. You know what I mean? She gets deals to where the, the, the store gives her stuff, you know, rebates and whatnot. But anyways, so we ended up getting a bunch of uh, kind of smooth black stones. And so what we want to do with this is we're going to do this next week after service. And we got a bunch of like white highlighter, not white highlighter, like white out. I don't know if they're white out markers. They're permanent markers, but they're white. 
So every person that's uh, you know a member of this congregation or or even someone that's that's new that wants to come that's that's here if they feel led if you all feel led everyone's going to get a smooth stone and this is going to be a remembrance stone I'm not sure how we're going to display it all right but it's not it's not for people to see but it's it's something for us to do collectively as a congregation here at Resilient Life Church and 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 what what I would like you to do what I believe the Lord was put on my heart was you need to write one it's like a one word thing I'm not telling you to write a paragraph on there you're not going to get much on a you know 4 inch 3 inch stone but everybody in this room has been delivered from something something that was pivotal in order for you to get saved and, and, I, and it's not between me and you. It's between you and the Lord. Right. But we're going to do this next week. And, and I believe it has biblical application because when the, the, the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River and it says in the text, it said the 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, they made a memorial. What is a memorial? A memorial is, is meant to look back and to remember, to memorialize someone. When, when someone dies, we talked about this several weeks back. When someone dies, we have a memorial service because it's a service of remembering the person. We honor the person. We go in solace. We don't go, you know, run in our mouths. We go and, and we humble ourselves, obviously, before the Lord. And, and we want to acknowledge this, this dignified person that passed on to be with the Lord. Lord willing, they were saved. And they have slides and they have all these things to, to spark in our minds the remembrance of this person. And so these stones are, 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 are meant to, to memorialize what you have been delivered from. You see, it's, it's never good to forget where you come from. You have humble beginnings. Remember that the Lord took us all, whatever condition we were in, no matter if we had money or didn't have money, no matter if we looked good or didn't look good, no matter if we had a prestigious job or we didn't, whether we were clean and sober or we were on drugs, whether if we were alcoholics or not, you know, the, you'd get the picture. But the whole point is, we remember, we remember what we came from. We remember him taking us out of the muck and the mire and, and, and taking a heart of stone and breaking that heart of stone. He is the potter, we are the clay, and in him forming and molding and shaping us into something of his likeness, what he would want for us. And so that, that's, that's the idea here behind these remembrance stones. So I just wanted to share that this morning because that is where we're going as far as something that, again, that's been on the back burner, but now is the time to to go ahead and execute it. So uh, I, I hope that you'll be here next week to experience that. And I know that it'll be a big deal for everyone that does take part in it. Amen. Amen. It's very interesting because as, as I talked about again, you know, you know, I love the nuggets of truth that the Lord just reveals to us. Right. And, and the more you walk with the Lord and the more you just get into the lifestyle of, of living before him and and trying to honor him and in. And, you know, your thoughts and actions and how you, you occupy your time, um, you get very sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you get very sensitive to when you're doing right. You obviously get sensitive to when your heart's not right and your, your attitude's crooked and, and it's not good. And, you know, he'll correct you. But I love, um, you know, how steadfast love and truth go together. This is something that the Lord, again, revealed to me just the other day. And it was just like, wow, Lord, this is pretty cool. But Psalm uh, chapter 85, verse 10 says, steadfast love and faithfulness meet righteousness and peace kiss each other and it's a beautiful uh, like kind of play on words or a, a beautiful way of, of illustrating this because you know me and mark were talking about this when we were in prayer a moment ago but it's like you you can't have truth and not have steadfast love so the moment we decide to get real with god it always starts with our relationship with him right once you just are willing to submit and say lord this is where i'm at i'm a hot mess would you clean me up? You just throw yourself on the mercy seat of God and say, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a wretched sinner and I need forgiveness. But it doesn't stop there. He kindly takes you in and then he, he builds you up into a way where it's like, yes, you never forget the place where you were. But, the, but also you just he, he brings you into a newness of life and he has steadfast love and he shows you that. And it's like, you know, think of all the times it's like where you've messed up. 
And, and, you know, the Lord's not a slave master. He's not looking down and you're like, oh, my goodness, it's the, you know, this is the hundredth time you done did this. Now, I'm not saying we know that, you know, uh, grace is not a license to sin. <laughs> we're not saved by grace so that we could go just do whatever we want all willy-nilly and think we're not going to get dealt with. Because God is a God of wrath, too. And you don't want to. I do not want to experience the wrath of God. We are no longer at enmity with God because of his son, Jesus Christ. But what I'm trying to point out is this fact that once we are raw with God, once we develop this, this habit, this lifestyle of longing to be truthful before God, man, steadfast love, we start being aware of this, this steadfast love of the Lord. And he, it continues to follow us all the days of our lives. And I just believe that's such a beautiful thing to, to remember that, you know, the, the creator of the universe, that he has a never-ending steadfast love pointed directly at you. Do you believe that this morning, church? That's how much he loves you. You are the apple of his eye. That's a beautiful thing. Amen? Amen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. All right. This morning, um, we're shifting gears from our Christmas message from last week. We're back in the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, we'll be tackling verses. uh, We'll be in chapter 7, and we'll be tackling verses uh, 13 down through 18 this morning. So, um, if you do have a Bible handy, uh, please turn to it. Uh, if you got it on your phone, go ahead and you know go get on your phone. If you don't have either or, you can um, the the scripture will be on the screen behind me or on these uh, TVs right here. And uh, when you get there, if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and read our text this morning, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into uh, the heart of the message. Once you, once again, excuse excuse me. We are in Ecclesiastes chapter seven, and we are going to go through verses. 13 down through 18. This message is entitled, The Difference Between Wisdom and Folly. This is, uh, I don't know how many part (laughs) series this is, but this is part three of where we're at. So we'll go ahead and read. And it starts in verse 13, and it says, Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Let's go ahead and pray. Yahweh, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who is the Messiah of all uh, creation. And uh, we just ask for, Lord, your anointing to be upon us. Lord, please empty us of ourselves. Fill us fresh with the Holy Spirit that we may be able to rightly divide your word, that we would have discernment, that we would have understanding. Lord, that your favor would rest upon us. I pray against any distraction that would try to come in. Lord, we know that spiritual warfare is real and there's always things that are trying to, uh, you know, diverge us from what you want to show us. Lord, so I pray that you would help us to hone in, to lock in to your word, to your revelation of your truth so that we would just know you better and know your presence in our lives is real. You're closer to us than our very own breath. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you. It is in the precious name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. All right. Like I said, um, we're going to jump back into chapter seven of Ecclesiastes this morning. And this is a very interesting portion of scripture. Like everything else, the word of God, uh, when we read it, when we study it, when we try to dissect it, we, we need the Holy Spirit to give us revelation to truly understand its meaning. Without the Holy Spirit illuminating our minds and our consciences, we can kind of tend to make the Scripture say whatever we want it to say. But we want to submit our our will to the Lord's and allow Him to speak. Amen? So we have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. Despite, Despite human ingenuity, it is God who is sovereign and in full control of the outcome of All of our choices. You see, in verse 13, we see the statement, who can make straight what he has made crooked? This is a principle of Yahweh or God's unlimited power. You see, 
His will is unmatched, no matter how hard we try to fight <laughs> for a different outcome. His purposes are going to prevail. You see, there, there's, there's many, uh, you know, Scripture talks about, uh, you know, as, as, as we get deeper and deeper into the, you know, uh, the last days before Christ returns, that the Holy Spirit is going to withdraw His presence from the world. You know that you as believers, you as saints, you as the church, right? We know the church is not this building. This is just a business building. <laughs> it's a business building. But you are the church. And it is the Holy Spirit in you. That, that's where the Holy Spirit is in this planet, <laughs> And, and yeah, you look at the news, you see the things that are going on in the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. And the reality is, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. But as we see uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit withdrawing, his restraint, you know, uh, falling back and allowing more of this satanic influence to, to come up upon the world, Satan's never going to win, <laughs> Right? All those who are in line with, 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 with being uh, ungodly and don't want to submit to the one and true living God, they're not going to prosper. They're not going to make it. So, so don't fear. Don't have fret. We know perfect love casts out all fear. Be the salt and the light of the world. Live in a manner that, that, that the, the light that you reflect of Christ shines even brighter in the darkness. Amen? But again, like I said, we cannot fight against the Lord's will. Meaning there are certain irrefutable principles or laws that God has set into place and no human being can change their course no matter what we try to do. An example of this is simply the law of gravity. What goes up <laughs> will eventually come back down. Uh, anybody remember the edge at Great America? That old rickety orange box. <laughs> And y'all remember the, I mean, I don't know, when I was growing up, we called it like the quarter trick or whatever. You sat there, you put the quarter or whatever on your, you know what I mean, or dime or whatever it was on your, your thigh. And as you went down, it was like, it was like levitating. It stayed there for a few moments and then all of a sudden it fell. Well, I mean, that's the same thing, right? Like it wasn't a magic trick. It was no, you know, uh, you know, uh, no magic going on there, no magician, but, but what went up went down because this is an irrefutable law. It's the law of gravity. And God bless you. And no one can change this no matter how hard they try. No one can change trying to improve what God determined shall be. Whatever he says will be, will be. And see, I don't want to get off into it. That's kind of a whole other topic. But, you know, uh, uh, predestination and all those things. You know, th again, th these are concepts that are beyond our, 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 our finite mind and understanding. You know, there are, there are many things that, 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 that the Lord seems to disclose to himself. That we're not privy to fully understand this side of, uh, uh, of, of eternity. Somehow, some of us, we try, we try to... <laughs> We try to debunk these things to our own folly because it's like, you know what, just, just trust that Christ is real. <laughs> trust that his father is real. You see all his handiwork in creation and kind of leave it at that. All that other stuff is like, that's beyond me. That hurts my brain. You know, I have a, you know, many of you know I work at a, a, a private uh, autistic school and I have one client that always asks me about eternity. And he says, the zeros, the zeros will never stop. I'll never stop writing. I had to tell him, I said, you got to stop talking to me about this because it hurts my brain. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I, I can't formulate. I can't figure out, like, yes, your arms are going to fall off, bro, because you're never going to stop writing zeros. Like, that, that's eternity. Like, it, it's beyond what we can understand. And there's the same principle here in regards to whatever the Lord says will be, will be. Nobody can make straight what he has said to be crooked and vice versa. We cannot change what God has decreed or understand his ways again fully. We should be content and grateful when things do go well for us. We should be grateful for that. And we should reflect and learn when we face difficulties or we feel like we have failed or, or things are kind of not right in the way we think they should be. First Chronicles chapter 29 verses 11 and 12 tell us, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Man, that's amazing. 
You see that? I, I love that last statement there. He says, in your hands are power and might to make great and to give strength to all. You see, so, so God is, is, is not a biased God. He, his desire is that, that none perish, but all come to repentance. You see, he wants to give strength to all. It doesn't say he's going to give strength <laughs> to all, but, but his desire is to. But we got to do our part, and our part is to humble ourselves and submit before him in a fashion that's worthy of him. Not exalting ourselves as a pretend God or a false God and not projecting someone else or an object to be God over our lives. Amen. The second main point is this. Without godly discernment, we simply cannot understand why certain things happen in this life. You see, Solomon continued to express his perspective from this, what the Bible says, under the sun, this, this under the sun premise. Again, in this life, viewed from our own human, human understanding, it's at best extremely challenging. It's, it's hard, you know? It's hard to, 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 to try to understand why certain things happen. And I think that's where a lot of people get bogged down. And a lot of people have their doubts of God and is God good and is God real because they see all of the, 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 the negativity and the darkness in the world. He goes on to give an example of how vain this life can be without a biblical worldview. Again, the example is this. A righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, but then you have an evil man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. It's like, that's not fair, man. This person is righteous, but yet their life got cut short. And this dude over here is living as wicked as ever. And he's just living. He's just living. He's growing old. It's basically like this. Think of the innocent child whose life was cut short by a stray bullet. He got bucked down, you know what I mean? Drive-by shooting. We had, you know, uh, earlier this year, one of my wife's family members, they, they, the, the, the car got shot up and the little girl died, 12-year-old girl. Had nothing to do with it and she got killed. Or when a drunk driver hits somebody. Innocent. This person's innocent and a drunk driver just because they were out on a bender, they were having their, their time with the homies and, and then they ended up, you know what I mean, killing somebody. Versus the 88-year-old man who's been smoking cigarettes for over 60 years. People will say, well, I don't get it. Why did that little, that little child die? But you got this other person over here. No, I mean, it says on the carton, this will give you cancer. Hope nobody smokes in here. If I offend you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? It says, don't you smoke this, man. You're going to give yourself cancer. But yet this person is living an extremely long life. But yet this person that seemed to do nothing wrong, they got hit by a stray bullet or a drunk driver killed him. People say it all the time. If God is so good, then why do all these bad things happen? Again, we must understand that God is good. Always, all the time, God is good. Amen? Amen. But because we have free will, church, as human beings, you already know. Y'all already know. <laughs> we don't always choose rightly. <laughs> And because we don't choose rightly, our decisions can affect others in a negative way. Because sin has its effects of deception, physical and spiritual death. People experience what is to consider to be unfair in this life. That's, that's truly what it is, right? When you break it down to the bare bones of everything, it is sin. It's sin. It, 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 it's, it's my willful disobedience towards God and me wanting to do my own thing so much that I don't care and I pass it all to the wayside and to get what I want. But then it doesn't matter. It's like who you crush on your way to getting what you want. That's why all these things happen. And because sin must be dealt with, the consequences of our choices are ultimately unavoidable, right? What does the Bible say? Be sure your sin will what? Find you out. You're only going to get away with it for so long. The 88-year-old man that's still smoking, is, unless he repents before he dies on his deathbed, man, he's going he gonna to get his sin. His sin going to find him out with the form of, you know, stage four cancer. You cannot evade that. And that's the saddest thing when we bring these consequences upon ourselves because of foolish behavior. We talk about it many times before. You know, let somebody hate you because you're righteous. Let not somebody hate you because you're a gossiping backbiter. <laughs> you know what I mean? You want to be hated on. Because you're doing the right thing, not hated on because, man, bro, you're super shady. It's like, yeah, that's why I hate on you because you're shady. It's like, nah, bro, I can't, find, I can't find nothing to pinpoint on you. But because you're just a goody two-shoe and a do-gooder, man, I hate you, bro. 
I hate you, bro, because you're good, bro. You're always good. <laughs> you know, you want to be hated on because you're good. The whole point is, you know, we don't want to bring unnecessary consequences upon ourselves because of our foolish behavior. Amen. But all this disparity is meant if we're, a, if we're willing to humble ourselves. Again, that we cannot get away from humility in the Christian life. This is, this is what we, we, we want to excel in, if, if, you, if you will. We want to get a doctorate in humility. We want to be those that study so hard and just live a life of humility. Because all this disparity is meant to point us back to Jesus Christ, the only one who can bear the burden of our brokenness. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 tells us, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Speaking of Christ, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We all know he he loved using analogies fit for the time and the, the you know if you had two animals they don't want to be unequally yoked you don't want an oxen and a and a little small animal you know they both got this yoke on and and you know it's going to be uneven so he's like man take my yoke upon you because you can't carry it. you know who's i mean we've all come in with burdens today you don't have to raise your hand it doesn't matter we we all got something that we're dealing with things that it's just it's hard life is hard and, and we're dealing with it but he says Take my yoke upon you. Fill in the blank. Put your name in there. He says his burden is easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to take the yoke of Christ upon them so they don't have to bear it all alone. He loves you too much. He doesn't want to see you trying to grin and bear it through it all on your own because none of us can handle the vicissitudes of life and the difficulties that we all will have to face in this life. Amen. The third main point is this. No matter what we experience in life, the one who fears God will always, always end up better off. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. Remember, Solomon noticed that sometimes the righteous person dies early and sometimes the wicked people have a long life. This seems an injustice or even an evidence of meaninglessness in life. And and you don't want to be in this place. You don't want to be in a place where you're like, oh, there's just no hope. Because there is hope. You see, Solomon recognized that righteousness and long life and earthly blessings don't necessarily go together. We've talked about this many times, too. Now, there's nothing wrong with money, (laughs) nothing wrong with money, nothing wrong with being wealthy. Right. But sometimes we get it twisted and we think just because somebody has material earthly wealth that they're blessed. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're blessed. It's really uh, the effect of the heart. Where is your heart in the matter? Because you could be dirt poor and be blessed and you can be filthy rich and be blessed. It's not about that. It has nothing to do with the inanimate object of money. Because we know we could have took pine cones and used pine cones as currency. Just so happened that they used coins and money, you know. But the reality is it's the heart. Where is your heart? Where is my heart in the matter? And that is what will reveal what's really going on within us. But he cautions against being overly righteous. But at the same time, the one who devoted himself to wickedness will likely die before his time. Even from a worldly perspective, extremes are unwise. Do being too extreme. It's not, it's not a good thing. But Solomon offers a better approach than simply taking this earthly perspective. He says, it is good to grasp that the one and not let the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. This is what Solomon was getting at, to fear God. The persons whose life goal is to pursue strictly piety may not see happy results. And neither will the person who pursues wickedness. Only the one who fears God will avoid both extremes and will be happy no matter what goes on in their lives. Psalm chapter 111 verse 10 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. I love that. So if if we need wisdom, which we all do. Not, not, not just, you know, uh, knowledge, but, but wisdom, revelation that comes from God. We need to have a healthy fear of God. 
See, a healthy fear of God. To have a hell, it's beyond a, 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 a reverent respect. If you look at all of the, 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 the Old Testament uh, you know, uh, people in, in the Bible, when they came before the angel of the Lord, what did they do? They didn't say, hi, how you doing? Oh, it's so good to see you. No, man, they fell prostrate on their face. As a sign of, of a holy fear of God, recognizing that I better get low as quick as I can because I want to honor God. You know, that's why I love that group casting crowns. They, they got the name correct. It's like you're not going to go to heaven and get this crown and be, bro, I'm rocking, the, you know, like it's some new 5950, some new air cap. No, it's not a cool Niner hat. You're going to take that crown and you're going to put it at the feet of Christ because he's the only one worthy of receiving it. We're just going to be grateful and thankful that you, we get to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come now and enter into my rest. Man, I love, I will long to hear those words. <laughs> you know, I want to be like one of them virgins that got all the oil. And I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm in there. I don't want to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Because remember, they said, we done, we done, we done healed the sick and, and, and fed the poor and did all this. They said, I never knew you. So you see, church, again, it goes, this is a side note, but it goes back to it's not about works. We walk in good works because they're made for us before, you know, before time so we could walk in them. But we're not saved by good works. A good works are an outpouring of a changed heart, of a, of a heart that's been resurrected and now it's new. And so now you don't want to do all those wicked things. You want to do good things. But we don't get it twisted and we don't think that those things save us. It's like Christ alone. Christ alone is the only means of salvation for every man, woman, and child. Any, any culture, race, color, creed, it doesn't matter. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and look at these verses. Michelle, is it hot? I'm sorry. I always tell you to do it because you're in, in the back. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I know you said don't, don't, don't preach in hoodies. And I don't got a hoodie on today. But I'm still, I'm still burning up up here. All right. Um, verses 13 and 14. We'll look at these a little bit closer. It says, consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. Okay, so we got to break this down in chunks because there is so much rich truth in this. I could spend all day on this point alone, but it says consider the work of God. Just this one statement. This is so powerful. What does it mean to consider Well, this is the definition of consider. It says to think carefully about something, typically before making a decision. So the question we have to ask ourselves, I have to ask myself on a a moment-to-moment basis throughout each and every day, is do you consider God? Do I consider Yahweh? Do I consider His Son Jesus, the Messiah? Do we carefully think about him as we wake up daily? What's the first thing that pops up in our minds when we, when we wake up from our sleep? What are the things that we think about throughout the day? And what do we think about before we go to sleep? You see, in the book of Joshua, he tells him how to have success. He said, man, you got to meditate on my word morning, noon, and night. And this is not, this is not a legalistic thing. This is something that, that will benefit you. But he said, in that way, no one will come before you and be able to prosper if you, if you consider the Lord, if you take the Lord with you, and if you're conscious of his presence in your life throughout the day. You see, do we consult with him before we make a decision about something? Or do we just recklessly go about because we just, ah, oh, man, I'm feeling it, bro. <laughs> I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this without no thought of what the Lord had to say or doesn't say about it. To consider God. It takes effort on our part. And I think that's why not everybody does it. Because it, 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 it takes a matter of resolve. Because in our flesh, it's so easy to just go about and go do something. It's very difficult. And it's, it, it's something that we will never master this side of heaven. But it's a, it is a spiritual discipline to just be still and know that he is God. <laughs> I know for sure because I talk too much. <laughs> I talk a lot, you know, and and, and people say, well, I worship God because I pray. Let me tell you this straight up. If you're the one doing the majority of the talking during prayer, that's not worship. Worship in prayer is when you and I are quiet and we allow the Holy Spirit. We allow God the Father to speak through the Spirit. That's worship. And that's challenging because it's nerve wracking. 
But that is what we need to develop, church. We need to develop this idea, this principle of being still before God, of considering Him, consulting with Him before we do anything. We must consciously decide to put Him first. What's first in your life today? Don't tell me the Niners. They ain't that good. They ain't that good. I ain't knocking them because that's my team, but they ain't that good. Ain't no sports team. Ain't no, ain't no pair of Michael Jordan shoes going to be that good. Um, I mean, whatever you're into, you know what I mean? Those things, those things are not bad in and of themselves. You know, you want to rock Jordans. You want to root for the Niners. That's cool. But don't let that be your all in all. We talk about it all the time. Man, cats up in here going to a Raider game for three and a half hours before the game. And then go and complain, I can't get to the church house. What you talking about, man? You, all, you, all, you made all the provisions, went to Costco, got all the meat, you know what I mean? Got the smoker, man, got every drink, you got everything on ice, you're ready to go. I mean, you, and then you spend another three and a half hours in the stadium. You done spent a total of seven hours at a football event, but you can't set aside one hour a week for the Lord. And, and by the way, one, one hour a week before the Lord is like a tic-tac. You know what I'm saying? With the manna, right? The manna, they had to get the manna each and every morning, man, because that manna turned to maggots the next morning, and they could not eat it, except they got double for the Sabbath. So, you know, we and we only meet here because we rent this building once a week. So, I mean, we do meet men's and the women, you know, throughout the week. But still, you know, everybody's got to get their manna each and every day. This ain't this tic-tac of a message is not enough to sustain you throughout the rest of the week. This is This is barely enough to sustain you the rest of the day. You still got to have some kind of fellowship outside of this with the Lord. This ain't cutting it, you know. And I'm not saying there's something bad about fellowshipping with the saints because obviously we're never to forsake the meeting of the saints. I'm just pointing out that we need to be on our business, about our father's business, rather. Amen. Again, we must decide to put him first. We must humble ourselves and concede to his leading and promptings and not our own. And again, this is something that's a challenge to us. Because we need to fight against our flesh that wants to do our own thing. But, you know, me and Mark were talking about it. <laughs> I'm always using him as an example because, you know, we, 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 we chop it up about a lot of stuff before we pray. But it's like, have you ever had that, 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 that experience where it's like you were trying to do your own thing and then the Lord's like, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't go there. Do this. <laughs> I mean, I'll be real with y'all. You know, so um, my wife had... Um, she had uh, they have the 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 the, uh, the the soccer game with the Milpitas High and the alums every year. And, you know, it was supposed to rain yesterday. And I was just in a bad mood, man. I was just in a bad mood. My wife's like, we're all going to go this year because uh, Coach Tomlin, he's been coaching there for like 30 something years. He's retiring this year. So they wanted everybody and their families to come out. And I was like, well, if it rains, you know, what I mean, I'm <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it rained all night. And then, you know, in the morning. Man, my heart's still not right. And I'm like, man, I, I'm going to go. But I'm like, my heart's like, eh, I don't want to go. And, uh, you know, the Lord was just dealing with me. I, I ended up going and I had a good time. But it was like the Lord was still dealing with me the whole time. I was like, dude, what's wrong with you, man? Like, like this is love your, li- love your wife like Christ loves the church. Put her desires and needs before your own. And it's like that's, that's, that's a challenge. I don't think any man that's ever been married has ever mastered that because it's something that we constantly have to work at to get out of that selfishness in us and be selfless and and consider other people all that to say um, we must humble ourselves and concede to the leading of the holy spirit the text says to consider the work of god many gloss over this daily but the fact remains we would be wise to consider and think carefully about all he has created think about this an example is your life your own life Do you think carefully about your life, about your purpose in life, about why you are here on earth and why you were created? I mean, think about it. We didn't ask to be here, church, and we didn't create ourselves. We are actually the handiwork of God. Psalm chapter 139 verse 14 tells us, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Or think about it and consider how God created this whole vast universe out of nothing. Again, it's, it's amazing because he, we, we, are, we, are, we are living beings 
but he's a living being that, that, that's, that's, that's based outside of space and time. He has no creator. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 tells us, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Prior to that moment, there was nothing. God didn't make the universe from pre-existing building blocks. He started from scratch. This is why we must consider the works of God. But it's about to get deeper than that. Hold on. As human beings, we can be very creative, right? Uh, creative musicians, creative artists, uh, you know, cre- cre- because our creator is creative. We are creative. Amen. But you see, us as human beings, we cannot create out of absolutely nothing like him. There was nothing and he formed everything. Strictly speaking, we cannot create. We can only synthesize. I wish Daniel was here because he would love that. (laughs) You see, we require materials from which to build something from. But you see, Yahweh has no constraints. This is difficult for us to comprehend because of a fundamental law of physics. The first law of science, which states that matter, the stuff in the universe, what it's made of, cannot be created or destroyed. Matter can be converted from a solid to a liquid to gas to plasma and back again. Atoms can be combined into molecules and split into their, com- their uh, co- component parts. But matter cannot be created from nothing or completely destroyed. And so this idea that God created everything out of nothing is so not natural to us. And it's true. It's not natural at all. It is supernatural. It's beyond human explanation. The application is this, church. We must consider the work of God because it is all supernatural. You being saved, it's crazy that, 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 that the Bible says that, that no one seeks after the Lord. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Isn't that crazy? Because no one seeks after the Lord, but yet you're saved. So what does that mean? He, he predetermined that you were going to be saved and he wooed you to himself. And through a series of life things that happen, all of a sudden you find yourself sitting at the feet of God, accepting Christ, saying, saying Lord, come into my heart and, and, and live and be my Savior, be my Lord. That's a beautiful thing. It's supernatural. For that fact alone, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, whether or not they want to or not. And that's that's amazing. You want to be I want to be the ones that willfully submit. (laughs) You don't want to be the one that's like you're being forced to because you chose to be prideful. And that's never a good thing. The next statement we see is he says, for what can make straight what he has made crooked? Okay, understanding the, the, the relative place of man to God is important in peaceful acceptance with this life under the sun. It, sound, it feels a lot better. I don't know if it's just me, but it does feel better. Thank you very much. I know you're working hard over there. I appreciate you. Yeah, we're, we, you know I mean? We, you know, it, we don't got the, you know, most sophisticated. It's all good. Don't matter. <laughs> we old school. From Solomon's perspective, he had a sense of fatalism here. But that's nothing new in the book of Ecclesiastes. Again, without the scope of the Holy Spirit revealing things to us, people would just be like, this is a horrible book. You talk about death is better. My my death day is better than the day I was born. But again, because of sin, there are just certain things you're not going to be able to do without supernatural power and protection of God. Think about it this way. Ain't no one standing before a wild, untamed lion. (laughs) And Daniel's circumstance was different, and it was supernatural. He was honoring God, and so the lions did not touch him. Rather, he had, uh, you know, he had power over the lions through the power of God. And no one is hoisting up a sail in a dangerous storm without the Lord's help. I think of like deadliest catch. That is such a crazy job. I can't imagine being where those men are in that kind of cold conditions for that long, doing that hard back-breaking work where it's like at any moment their lives could be taken. I mean, you have to have the supernatural hand of God upon you to be able to weather that kind of, uh, of abuse in a storm like that with the natural uh, disasters that go on. And that's just the, the waves as they currently are. But again, and most definitely, no one is contending with the Almighty and winning. Again, we, we, we've talked about this many a times. 
Jacob was the only one who wrestled with God and won. But again, it was because Jacob finally came to the end of his rope and he fully submitted all of his life to Yahweh. And at that point, the Lord said, okay, I'm going to bless you. You will be Israel now, but I'm going to give you (laughs) this this little pain in your hip. And you're always going to remember again, like a remembrance stone. Remember this time when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. But it wasn't because he was trying to overtake him because of pride trying to get his way, saying his way was better, trying to contend with the Lord in that kind of way. He was literally holding on for a blessing, and that's why he was blessed. Amen? In the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider. This is the next statement. Here Solomon counsels us how to take the good and the bad of life into perspective. To take what life gives you and to get along the best you can. Jeremiah chapter 24 verse 6 tells us, I will set my eyes on them for good and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. You see, sometimes life's challenges are actually God's blessings in disguise. I think that's where sometimes... We, as, as Christians, you know, we just need to understand we're always praying for peace, and that's a good thing. But, but do you know that many times uh, God's not going to deliver us in such a way where we have circumstantial peace? Maybe sometimes you will. But many times it's like you are going through like the most God-awful circumstance that anyone has ever seen. But yet the Christian, the true Christian, has a supernatural peace because God is showing you that his peace is true peace. It's beyond circumstances. Like if, if you only had a circumstantial peace, that means everything, every time the Legos fall apart in your life, you're running frantic. You're like a chicken without, with the head cut off because you don't know what to do. But he's saying, no, my child, I want to give you a supernatural peace through my Holy Spirit that even though you have to walk through some of the things that are so horrible in life, I'm going to give you a peace that you're still going to be good despite what you go through. Amen? Because many times our circumstances are not going to change. He's not a genie in a lamp. We can't wish it away. If we could, then all these bad things that are going on in the world would, would be gone. But these bad things are horrible. I don't even have to get into what the IDF soldiers have on their body cams and Hamas and all this stuff. We, we've talked about it before. It's, it's horrific, the things that have gone over there in the last couple months. And, and, and it's just it's crazy. But, but we need to have that inner peace that comes from God Almighty that will give us the ability to walk through whatever we're going through. Maybe you're dealing with someone and somebody in your family has cancer. Or, or you're going through a divorce or you're going, you lost your home or you don't know where your, your kids are going to go to school or you don't even know where your next meal is at. We don't have to fret. We have to trust. Remember, the battle that we fight is on our knees, church. It's through prayer and supplication that you will be made to prosper. Amen. As we go through hard seasons... God can use the hard seasons in life to mold and grow us, to turn those bad things into something good. He told the Israelites and the exiles that he would build them up and not tear them down. It wasn't a time to weep, but it was a time to rejoice. God took something bad that was meant for evil and turn it around for good we all know the account of joseph we all know the account of what he went through you know i mean potiphar's wife tried to sleep with them he ran away i mean he ran away from doing something that a lot of men would have just done and yet he got penalized for it and he stayed in that prison for a very long time you know he he i mean his brothers hated on him because he had that colorful robe (laughs) And if it wasn't for Reuben, they would have murked them. They would have killed them. But Reuben's like, nah, man, don't kill them. Let's just sell them to slave traders. So he, he went through all that. And what does he say? That's one of the most poignant things in that portion of Scripture. He said, man, was Satan meant for evil? God meant it for good. And even though I went through all this stuff that was super hard and difficult, it came full circle. And, and it's all good now. And so I don't know. What, what's, your, what's your Joseph experience you're going through right now? That is super difficult and it's hard. Trust in the Lord. Trust that he's good. Trust that he's going to provide for you, even though it's difficult. You can cry out to him. You can let him know. He knows. He wants to comfort you in your time of agony and despair and heartache. The worst thing to do is to keep it all bottled in. Don't do the tough guy routine. Don't do the tough woman routine. It, it, don't, it don't work. <laughs> I'm, such a, I'm such a big baby. I'll, I'll watch a movie, a real-life movie. I'll be crying. I'll be like, oh, my gosh, it's so real. 
You know, because it's just, you know, you, you identify with it. You identify with the struggles that people go through. And it's like, man, it's crazy. It's no joke. Remember, true power, true power is meekness. It's power under control, not I'm big and bad. Anyways, sorry, that's a side point. Surely, this next statement, surely God has appointed one of them as well as the others so that man can, uh, so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. Okay, so again, we see Solomon kind of drifting again towards despair, considering God's control of all things leads him to believe that the system is set up in such a way that we can know nothing of what is beyond us and what will come after him. This is why we need to cling to Jesus Christ. This is the real reason here, that he is, and, and the promises of his word. We talk about it all the time, right? We say we don't serve God out of uh, emotion because our emotions ebb and flow. If we only serve God out of emotion, then we're only going to serve God when we're feeling good. But what about when you're feeling like crud? You still got to serve the Lord. So we serve God out of obedience and we go back to the word of God and we hammer down, we hunker down on the promises found in the Bible because God does not lie. He doesn't shift. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. This is why we need to cling to Jesus Christ, because no matter what we will have to go through in this life, our hope, our security and our salvation rest in him alone. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and look at 15 and 16. It says, In my vain life I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Okay. He says, I've seen everything in the days of vanity. Solomon complains that in his meaningless life that he has seen good stuff. Um, but he's also seen horrible things that he doesn't understand. He's basically saying life isn't fair. And he's right. Life isn't fair. (laughs) Life is not fair. This is a mystery and one of the things that add to the vanity of life lived under the sun. We must also keep in mind that Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 17, um, because it says Solomon continues the thought with the warning against being overly righteous and overly wise. Um, and then he tells us in, in a summary in, in the last verse in 18, whoever fears God will avoid both extremes. You see, Solomon is teaching us don't be overly righteous, don't be overly wise, don't be overly wicked or overly foolish. Chasing after any extremes will not prolong one's life um, and give them the satisfaction that they desire. But what does it mean to be overly righteous or overly wise? Solomon obviously means something different from being truly righteous and truly wise. See, we need to know the difference. To be overly righteous is to strive for a self-made righteousness based on outward obedience to rules. Over-righteousness could be seen as being extremely religious, meaning being excessively strict and zealous, observing all the minute laws of man-made religion. You know, that's what happened with the, with the Pharisees. They already had uh, the Torah, but then they added on. They added all these extra rules and regulations to it, and it, it made it very difficult to follow, quite frankly. Um, but they were overly righteous in this way. They were fanatically self-righteous. Matthew chapter 23, verses 25 down through 28 tells us, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Man, that stings. That's harsh. That's hardcore. He's basically saying... Deal with your heart. Deal with the innermost part of your being, who you are. When you peel back all the onion layers of your life, what you're left with is your decision making and your thoughts and who you really are, your character, right? Your integrity. It's been said integrity is what you do when no one's looking, when you're alone, when it's just you and the Lord. What are you doing? What are you doing? That will reveal to you 
who you really are. And he's saying they spend so much time in all this outward profession, but yet inwardly there was just there was, there was, there was just dirt, there was filth, there were things that they hadn't dealt with. And again, to be the application is this to be overly wise is to think of oneself as self-sufficient in matters of knowledge, especially when it concerns the things of God. Overly wise will call God's character and wisdom into question and speculate his actions and judge them according to one's own superior wisdom. And it's crazy because many people today, they do this without even thinking about it. When we just make blanket statements and we act, we, 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 we presume all these things about God without taking into consideration. He's sovereign. He oversees all of this. He has a reason for everything that he allows to happen in time. Remember Job? <laughs> as a righteous man that he was, as, even though he was very righteous, he did act in a moment overly wise when he began to question God. And many people will say, well, he had the right to. He lost all his family. He lost all his, all his livestock and cattle. His wife cursed him. He had boils. You know? But still, despite all that, he didn't need to, to, to question God. We know this because in Job chapter 38, verses 2 through 4, God asks him, he says, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge, dressed for action like a man? I will question you and make it, uh, and you make it known to me. Where, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have any understanding. But to Job's credit, his reply later on showed that he had regained true wisdom because in Job chapter 40, verse 4, obviously he had repented between then and now because he says, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. He's basically like saying, I will shut my mouth and know that you are God and I am not him and I'm not going to question you anymore. But you see how, how good God is? He didn't just incinerate him and annihilate him. If God was just just, God would just annihilate and incinerate every single person the first time they sin. But it goes back to long suffering, a, 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 a love that, 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 that's going to suffer long and suffer well. Then he's like, okay, I know you're but dust. <laughs> I know you're weak. I know you're frail. So as long as you repent, as long as you change your mind and go to God, the Father, in Jesus' name and say, man, I repent of this. I don't want to live like this. Change my heart. Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. He's going to do it. Every single time. Amen. Self-righteousness has the potential to lead to much harm. When everything that is done is done for show, that's a bad thing. And when it's done just to gain the applause of men. You remember what the Bible says? It said all those Pharisees, that they want the applause of the people on the corner. That's all they're going to get, man. That's it. Who cares what people say? I just want my father in heaven to be good with what I'm doing. I don't care what anybody says about me. Everyone, you know, you can't please anybody. I mean, you can't please everybody. I learned that a long time ago when I started pastoring. Some wise men told me, stop trying to appease everybody. I've told you guys a story. Like, I've, I've only asked my wife one time, how was the message? <laughs> I learned a long time ago. I don't, just, that's not even conversation. Because first of all, it's not me. It's the Lord working through me. And second of all, I don't need my wife's approval. Not in a bad way. Please don't go tell her that. <laughs> but but it's, 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 about, it's about why are we doing it? It's not for show. This ain't a game. We're not up here trying to, we're not trying to gain credits. We're not trying to hand out awards. We're not trying to, you know, I mean, we're not trying to do things like that. It's not for that. It's for the Lord. It's for his honor. It's for his glory. This type of lifestyle, when it's only done for people and to show, is a lifestyle that is condemned by God. And it's attempting to be righteous, but in the wrong way. All right, last two verses, 17 and 18. It says, be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this and from that with, uh, withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out of both of them. All right, we just talked about this to, to a great extent about uh, not seeking wisdom and righteousness with the wrong motives. We, we should want to be wise. We should want to be righteous, but for the right reasons, because we want to honor God, because we want to be a blessing to those around us, not so we can esteem ourselves and get attaboys and pats on the back. It's not about that. It's about us living the right way and allowing the God-given gifts that he has given to us to be fruitful and to be used in such a way that would bring honor and glory to his name and for the sake of other people so that they may be saved. 
The other side of the coin is we should not live indulging in wickedness and foolish behavior. That is simply just to invite God's judgment. And we don't want his wrath to fall upon us. We don't want, you know, again, unnecessary judgment to fall upon us because we're just choosing to be wicked. It's just like the person who knows they have a you know, propensity to, 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 to have hypertension and this and that, and they just, they're just never taking care of their body. Like, I, I mean, we're not going to live in this shell forever, but we, we should take some care of ourselves. You know, we should be considerate of, of, of the beautiful God-given crafted body that he's given to us and, and take full advantage of the life that he's given us. Amen? We should abo- avoid both of these wrong paths and live our lives in the fear of God, reverently acknowledging how limited we are in power, knowledge, and goodness compared to our Creator. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we just thank you for the revelation of truth that shows us that, Lord, if, if, if we honestly fear you, if we humble ourselves and have a holy fear of who you are, meaning we understand that you are God and we are not, but that you love us, that we're going to be all good, that everything is going to work out in our lives. If, 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 we, don't, if we walk in a manner that, that's not puffed up, if we just walk in a manner that, that's, 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 that's willing to, to put others before ourselves and consider others, Lord, and, and not think that, that we got to have it our way, but we want it your way, that everything in our lives will work out. I pray that you would help us to understand this. I pray that the application for our lives would be simple and clear, that we would be given the strength and the wisdom and the ability to do such. And Father, again, I just thank you that you always anchor us back to you. It's all about what your son Jesus Christ has done. Thank you so much that you have not left us astray, but you call us now children of you, the most high God. So Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.